Tiger Woods, one of the greatest golfers, as you know, on the tour. He's across town today playing in the Masters. Tiger Woods was asked what he would do or what he would say if Bobby Jones, who in 1932 was one of the founders of the Masters uh, and the Augusta National. Bobby, he said, what would you say to Bobby Jones if he was to uh, walk through that door? Tiger, Tiger uh, Woods said, I wouldn't ask him nothing about golf. He said, I'd ask him how he died and got back here. <laughs> he said, I'm not interested in how well he played. If he can live and resurrect and get back here, I'd want to know more about that than I would about his stroke. Hello? Even the best golfer, the best athlete, the best uh, uh, writer, the best poet, the best of anything that you can name, always wants to know something about eternity and something about resurrection. I'm going to give you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 three resurrection truths this morning that can help you and encourage you along in life. Now, if you're here and you're saved, my job is to stir your heart toward the truth that you already know. If you're here this morning and you're unsaved, it's our job to pray for you and to preach the gospel, not at you, but to you, and that you might make a legitimate choice for eternity. You're not going to ever, listen to me, you're not going to ever be able to come up with another solution to your eternal need, but that one which God has already set in place. Look with me, if you will, please, at the proof that is demonstrated. Now, here's the first proof I want you to see. The proof that is demonstrated. Number one, the proof of the resurrection is in the Word of God. Look at verse number three of this book. Have you got your Bible? If you do not, look at the, look at the screen. In chapter three, for I declare unto you, Paul said, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. You see, the Bible validates the death of Christ. The Bible validates the sacrifice of Jesus. Notice with me in verse number 4. And that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. The Bible you have in your hand is a Bible of resurrection. The Bible you hold that you call the inspired breath of God and the, the, the inspired mind of God on paper, that book contains within its beliefs and in its revelation that's the fact and the truth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You say, I do not believe the Bible. Well, that does not make it any less true. I might not believe a lot of things that are relative and they're true. And I may not believe them because I don't choose to. But that does not negate the truth. That does not wipe out their validity because I choose not to believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is mandatory that we know that the Scripture is proven, uh, or the resurrection, rather, is proven in Scripture. You heard about the lady that probably that got on the airplane. She was reading the Bible. A scoffer and a skeptic sat down beside her. He looked at her funny and just sort of made a little grunting noise while she was reading the Bible. He didn't believe the Scripture. He had no reason to believe it. After they flew, got, got airborne, and they were flying along, he looked over to her. He said, you mean to tell me you believe everything that you're reading? Are you reading a Bible that you really believe? He said, I believe every jot and tittle. Every one of them. He said, well, 
What about the story with Jonah in that whale? How can anybody live three days in a whale's belly? That's a whole lot of hogwash. And you know, how in the world can that happen? He said, well, I have no idea how it happened. He said, when I get to heaven, I'll just ask Jonah and then I'll know. He said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? She said, well, then you can ask him. I come to tell you this morning, it pays to believe the Word of God. If you got any questions, don't, don't have to go to hell to get your answers. I need a witness right there. The Bible tells us, and the Scripture is plain, that the proof is in the Word. Not only that, the proof is in the witnesses. In the witnesses. Did you know that in this portion of Scripture, in these verses, the Bible says he was seen of Cephas, was Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of five hundred brethren at one time, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. After that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And, and last of all, he was seen, Paul said he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Did you know in Matthew chapter number 28, the Scripture says and teaches us that in verses 5 and 6, that an angel sat on the rock when the women came that morning to the tomb. And the angel said, I know whom you seek, but he's risen. He is not here. Now, I am going to stop and make this uh, uh, revelation and make this plain uh, truth. If you will not believe an angel, you probably are not going to believe me. But I'm praying the Holy Ghost will catch you on your heart and He will let the, the, the power be upon your spirit that you'll see. Angels validated the truth that Jesus is not here. He has risen. Amen. Even His enemies. I was reading this this morning. Over there in Matthew 28, the Sanhedrin got together when the, when the soldiers came back and said, He's gone! They proclaimed, He's gone! We stayed there and kept the rock on the tomb. Nobody could have got Him out. He's gone. They said, Well, tell everybody His disciples came in the night and stole Him. By saying that, they said, He's gone. When your enemies Validate the reality of your experience. It must be real. I could go on, but for the time, sake of time, I'm going to stop right there and say this. If you'll not believe an angel, and you'll not believe the enemies, and you'll not believe all of those writers of the Scripture that we just pointed out to you in the witnesses, I don't know what it's going to take for you, but friend, listen to me. If you'll believe it, if you'll receive it, a living Lord will jump in your Monday, hop up and down on your Tuesday, and bless the fire out of your Wednesday, and get you through Thursday and Friday, and He'll help you live on Saturday without getting drunk. Hallelujah! I'm supposed to act right and be civilized and and Easteritic. I'm supposed to be nice and receptive and baptistic and mm. He's alive! Somebody! Help me! Praise Him! And then, let's just let the devil know we're in church. 
he may be he may have a first cousin up in him. Let's let all his kinfolk know we came to go to church. Not only in the word, Paul says, not only in the witnesses, but he said there's proof in the walk. Look what he said, for I am the least of the apostles. That I'm not meet to be called apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He killed believers. He mutilated them. Killed them. Verse 10, I like it. But the grace of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. I want to tell you something this morning. Oh, Paul said this. If you can't believe because of the witnesses, he said if you can't believe because of the Word, a good God, take a, take a good look at me. He said my whole life has changed. What you going to do with that? When a drunkard sobers up and becomes a preacher and he blames it on a resurrected Savior, what you going to do with that? When a drug addict comes out of the crack house Start loving the church house. What you going to do with that? I promise you, they don't have a problem at doctor's hospital. They don't have a problem at university. They don't have a problem out yonder in South Richmond County. But there's a... There's a... There's a pump. Oh! Wake up! If you're going to hang with a preacher, you got to stay awake. Give me a microphone now. Take them, preacher. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, look at what he's done. Look at what he said he could do. Look at the evidence in somebody's walk. If a man's changed, his life's rearranged, his character's changed, his way is different. Starts loving his children instead of shoving them. Stops buying booze and starts buying Bibles. Starts buying furniture instead of hanging out at the dope house. Good God Almighty, I'm here to tell you, there's proof in sinners that Jesus is alive. That old preacher preach to the drug addicts and they'd stay clean a little while and go back. He'd preach to the alcoholic and he'd sober up a little while and go back. One day the preacher said, I've made a choice. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the funeral home and become a, an undertaker. He said, I, they said, why? They said, because that's one place when you straighten them out, they stay straight. I want to tell you where there's another place. When they get straightened out, they'll stay straightened out. When they come to a bloody cross, when they come to bloody Calvary, when they come to that hill that boy was singing about, when they come to the feet of the Redeemer and say, I'm sorry, I'm telling you, you don't need booze, you don't need drugs, you ain't got to have demons leading your life, but you can have power, power, wonder, working, good God of a run, power. I'm telling you, the resurrection's real. 
And there's a proof that demonstrates it. Number two, I'll never make it through this, but I'm having a good time. Stop. Don't you see the purpose of detail? Not only is there a proof that's demonstrated, but there's a purpose that is detailed. And that purpose produces two things. Jesus Christ resurrected to affect human life. He resurrected to affect human nature. He resurrected so we wouldn't have to just say no. He resurrected so He could live within us and say it for us. When we did not have the ability to change, we did not have the ability to reproduce righteousness, when we didn't have any real righteousness in us, He became the righteousness for us. And what we could not do, that blessed living Savior produced in us what we needed to serve a living God. And the only way you can do it is to have Him living in you. It's not enough to be Baptist. It's not enough to be Methodist. It's not enough to have your name in a Pentecostal role. It is not enough for you to know Benny Hinn or Rod Parsley. It is enough only for you to come to Calvary and let the blood of Jesus forgive your sins and change your life and resurrect your dead existence. It produces, number one, hope. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Verse 18, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perish. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He said if the only hope you've got is that that you're clinging to right now, and there is no living Lord who's going to take us into a resurrected place, he said, you're a miserable human being. He said, you're still in your sin. He said, my preaching is vain. He said, nothing counts unless Jesus is alive. And I'm here to tell you, mister, my hope's not in CNN. My hope is not in, 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 in the media. My hope is not in religion. My hope is not in what's going on with the Republicans. My hope's not in a Bush. My hope is not in a Democrat. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus raising in righteousness, I'm glad I have hope. Hope. You know, some people are just hoping. But I'm here to tell you that God is a Savior that gives us hope. God gives us strength. Did you hear about that old boy hoping? He went to work one morning. He was late. Uh... All kind of problems happened to him. Difficulties. He got his pink slip. Got fired. Got all his stuff in a box. About 35 minutes of hearing all that. Went out there and his car was missing. Went out there and had to flag down a cab. He went home in the cab. He got out and didn't have any money. He went in to get his money. And the cab driver drove off and his wallet was in the car. In the, in the seat. He couldn't find it. He went up to the door. Beat on it. His wife came to it. He told us, I've lost my job. I don't have a job. She said, ain't no sense you hanging around here. So he goes down to the beer joint and gets him a, a drink. A biker comes in. Big old burly guy. Walks over to this little weasel looking fella. Pushes him off the bar stool. And gulps his drink down. Drinks it. Now how come I only heard laughter from the mission? Giving yourself away. And he gulps a drink down. <laughs> the little fella just starts squalling. I mean, 
crying squall. The fellow said, look, man, I'm sorry. I, I get you another drink. I didn't, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. He said, ain't nothing but booze. I'll get you a drink. Here, bartender, give him a drink. He said, no, no. He said, that's all right. He said, I, I got up this morning, went to work. I was late, lost my job. I come out to get in my car, and it was stolen. I had to flag a cab, and I got home, and the cab took off with my wallet. I told my wife I lost my job, and he said that she told me to get out. And he said it was just over. I couldn't take no more. I come down here, and I try to poison myself, and uh, you drank my drink. Mister, there's two hopeless men standing right there. One of them's dying, and the other one's crying. Somebody say amen right there. May I say something to you? You may get up in the morning and you get your pink slip. You may have to try to find your car and somebody stole it. You may get home and everybody there wants to run you off. When you go home and they sick the dog on you, it's time to find an apartment. Say amen right there. And you may be down at the ballroom about half done with, but I want to tell you, there's a risen Savior and a hopeful God who gives hope past those circumstances. Not only that, he said it, it produces holiness. Listen to me. You cannot live right turning over new leaves. You cannot live right making promises. You cannot live right by trying to say no and doing it in yourself and keeping the Ten Commandments and keeping the law and keeping a set of rules. If you do not have a living Savior living in your breast, you're always going to want to seek carnality. If you do not have a, the great God of glory living within the heart and in the lifestyle of your being, you're never going to have what you need to live right. But I'm here to tell you, if God's in there, He'll make a difference. He'll produce hope. Listen to me. I don't know what's going on in, in, in Israel. I don't know what's going on in Russia. I don't know what's going on in Europe. I don't know what's going on in the Middle East. I don't know what all the shenanigans are being talked about this morning. I don't know what uh, the terrorists have next. I don't know what bombings may come up. I don't know what's going to happen. But I promise you this. I'm going to lay down tonight. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Why? Because the worst that can happen to me is heaven. How about it? It produces hope. And not only that, the resurrection produces holiness. You say, preacher, I've been trying to quit smoking. That's not your problem. I've been trying to quit drinking. Drinking's not your problem. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. The absence of a risen Savior is the biggest problem. Are you listening? It produces hope. Notice the third thing. Not only the proof uh, that is demonstrated and the purpose uh, that is detailed. But look at the power that is dynamic. The power that is, it is, that is dynamic. Number one, there is a power to conquer. Look at it. Or a power to triumph over and to conquer your sin. I'm going to be honest with you. There ain't nobody in this place who kicked up his heels and lived against God's Word and across the pages of God's precepts any more than I have. When I was lost, I was good and lost. When I lived for the devil, I lived for the devil. I didn't jump across the religious uh, barriers. I didn't go to church. I didn't play church. I didn't have a Bible. My daddy and mama were lost. We was all lost. We was, we was all glad we was lost. We didn't care to be found. We lived just exactly as we pleased. You know why? We didn't have the power to do anything else. Just like people do today. 
But all of a sudden, on the third Sunday night in September, 1968, I went into the powerhouse, and all of a sudden, God hooked up heaven's jumper cables to my ungodly life. And all of a sudden, He cranked up that New Testament Jenny, and all of a sudden, that Old Testament generator began to generate, and them, 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 them the uh, jumper cables was in my life, and all of a sudden, I got shocked into triumphing over sin. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The, the sting of sin is, uh, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Here it is. But, thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory, not through religion, not through baptism, not through the common cup, not through all of this uh, shenanigan we got going on in religion today, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. Are there any Christians in this building this morning happy over the fact that a living Savior lives in you? Somebody help me praise God a little while right there. Are you glad you're sitting not with religion but the reality? Thank God. Who's throwing their clothes all over the church building? Thank God. Thank God. What triumph over drugs. In the name of I heard a story. I got it. I read it. Somebody sent it to me. A, a 15-year-old Muslim girl, truly dedicated to the Muslim faith, is alive today in America. She was reading the Koran. Talking about trying in power. She was reading the Koran, which is the holy book of the Muslims. She was reading it, and it only makes two or three mentions of Jesus, and in every case it makes a mention of Jesus, it says he was a prophet and a healer. This little girl had both of her legs paralyzed. She could not walk, had not walked since she was about three, because of some kind of a disease she contracted. She started, she was a Muslim, and she said, her testimony was this, Nowhere in there did it ever say Muhammad was a healer. But it said Jesus was. She's reading the Koran. And she says she hears this word, Jesus. And she reads that he's a prophet. Out of the Koran it says, he was acknowledged as a prophet. And he was acknowledged as a healer. She said, and the article said, one night, about 10 o'clock, as she was reading the Koran, that came up about him being a healer. She said that she prayed to Allah through that Koran revelation. She prayed to Allah and said, Give me this Jesus to heal me. She had no idea what she was talking about. She said, But Mohammed can't heal my holy book, says Jesus King. She prayed to Allah and asked for Jesus to heal. Her testimony. It was after midnight, going toward one o'clock. She said a visitation came into her bedroom. She said, I cannot tell you what I see. I cannot tell you anything but what I felt. She said, I genuinely wanted Jesus to touch me. She said she came, 
she don't know what happened. She just knew it was a presence in the room. She said in a warmth, she had never felt anything in her feet. She said a warmth came into her feet and all the way up her legs to her hip and went back down twice. She said that she had feeling again. I'm telling you what I read. I'm telling you what she said. She said that she heard in her spirit that put your feet on the floor. She raised up in the bed and for the first time had feeling from her hip down. And she swung her feet around. He said, stand. She stood for the first time as a young girl. And she looked into the darkness. And she said, she heard this, Jesus will be with you and help you because you asked. She turned to Christ. She turned away from the holy book of the Muslim faith and found the Bible. And she said she was ecstatic at what else she found he could do. She's traveling all over the country telling Muslims that Allah said, Jesus can do it all when Mohammed came. There's power to triumph over sin. Uh, now, you're here this morning. I don't know who you are, where you are, but you're here this morning. You can't go without a drink. And you think it's okay because you, 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 you just think it's okay. And, and you don't have any problem with it. You don't have any problem with what it does to you. You don't have any problem with what it's done. I want you to so right. Let me ask you a question. How's it done you? You couldn't even tire this morning because you drank it up. And that's okay. You can't pay your bills because alcohol. And it's about to destroy you. And you're going to stand and argue with me? I don't think we need to argue about the obvious. We need to repent and repel and reason with the Holy Ghost and clean up and know there is a power to triumph over this. <laughs> I met a man the other day. Um, the name of that church out there in the Chattanooga. 11th, 11th Avenue. There was, a, there was a man there. Did I tell you all about the man didn't have... His arm was missing right here. Yeah, I, I walked... Did you know him? I walked, I walked in, and he had his coat cut off and, and hemmed right there. He just had a little old nub. And he walked up to me, and he stuck that little old nub out. He said, he said, my nickname is Stubb. He said, how are you? I said, well, my nickname's Booger. I'm doing fine. God bless you. I guess everybody's got a cross to bear. I got close to that old boy. He showed up at lunch the next day with the preacher and two or three of them and old Nub was with them I made the I, I made the uh, assertion to find out and began to verbally exchange with him about what happened I said man what happened and he began to tell me one night how he and two boys was in an old forward he said they'd been drinking moonshine liquor up in the hills of Tennessee and he said they come around a curve too fast and there was a bridge. And he said, I had my arm hanging out the door puking. He said, I was running about 60 miles an hour. He said, and I hit, a, I hit the bridge, the concrete rail on a bridge. 
He said, Preacher, I didn't hardly feel anything. It was quick. He said, It didn't tear it off. He said, It knocked my elbow completely loose and, and just tore all the ligaments and said, My arm was laying on the side of the road. And he said, When I finally got that thing stopped, he said, That's all that was left. And he pulled, pulled the shirt sleeve up and showed me that little six, seven inch nerve coming out of his shoulder. He said, Every time I look in the mirror, and it was that night while they was hauling him to the hospital that a chaplain with the police department, a Baptist preacher in that area, won this man to Jesus on a stretcher in the ambulance. He started going to 11th Avenue Baptist Church, sitting on the front row when I was preaching, and here's what he said. He said, every time I look at it, I think of the power of God to overcome my stupidity and take an ignorant fool like me and bring me into the kingdom. There's power to triumph. Sometimes God uses extreme measures to get our attention. Not only that, there's power to transform an unfinished. Listen to this now. Listen to this. I want everybody to look this away. I don't want you to miss this. Behold, I show you a mystery, Jesus. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's some spooky stuff. We shall all be changed. Look, in a moment... In the twinkling. That means as long as it takes that light to reflect off the retina of my eye and create a sparkle. Listen close now. Don't let anything interfere. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be changed at the last trump. Bum, 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 bum. My trumpet's going to sound. What hope. What joy. He said, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ, or the dead, shall be raised incorruptible. First Thessalonians talks about the dead in Christ. Here it talks about, shall be raised incorruptible. That means without corruption. And we who are alive shall be changed. Now this is not something I made up. This is something that was here before we got here. Listen. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortality must put on immortality from 51 to 53 what we hear is the next prophetic event on God's prophetic calendar and that is the blessed trumpet sounding and all of those who went on to be with the Lord and I've put in the ground hundreds of them over yonder at the cemetery going to bust up bust loose and bust out and we which are alive are going to be changed in corruptible we're going to get a brand new body that don't have to diet. Brand new body that don't crave Seagram 7 and Jack Daniels. A brand new body that don't want cocaine in it. A brand new body that knows how to live in glory and rejoice over the fact that Jesus was alive on planet Earth. Can somebody give me an old-fashioned hallelujah and a hand clap of praise right there? Because what Jesus said, there's power to triumph. Stand up with me all over the building. <laughs> the other day, over here in the school, one of the children got a wise thought. Little old bitty boy. He was standing at the water fountain waiting to get a drink. He had in his possession a bobby pin <laughs> or something like one. He's doodling and saddling around the water fountain. They splash water on each other, and they splash water on the other one, and they're just absolutely 
horse play at the waterfront. This little old boy was sitting down there waiting on his turn and he looked and saw a receptacle. He took that bobby pin and stuck one side of it in and nothing happened. The other little boy said, I wonder what will happen if you stick the other side in. And he held on to it and stuck it in one pin. The last time I seen him, he was in Hepzibah, running, <laughs> trying to get over the power and the shock that he found in them two little holes. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been running on the facts of the power that I found that day I plugged into the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. Father, thank you for this day. Bless us as we try to do our best 